Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast with Sean Martin. Have you ever thought that we're selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Well, perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.net. Marco. Sean. You know what's cool? Not you. <laughs> no, it's definitely not me. <laughs> not me. That's definitely true. But no, uh, you're cool. What, you're what a, is you're cool, a cool dude. What is, I surround myself with cool people. And I, I feel uh, grateful to have met two cool new people. And, and where? Where and, did you meet And them? you happen to be along for the ride for this. Uh, thanks to Mastodon, Infosec.exchange. Uh, good old, a uh, different Jay. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll pull that together and uh, bring a community together. And and there's some good conversations, good engagement. And there was a, there was a thread that we happened to connect to and get involved with that brings us all together. And for those watching, can see uh, Jay Thoden Van Velzen and uh, Maron on with us. And for those listening, uh, you'll just know that they're on. And we're going to we don't we don't do predictions on ITSP magazine. Sometimes we actually poke fun at it, but the reality is that stuff happens. There are trends, there are things happening, and vendors try to push that with the marketing. Uh, analysts try to push that with their reports, and then there's reality in in the programs and in the sock that say, "Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but." Uh, but also. So- I gotta add, if there is yeah. one business that you want to try to always do prediction and so be, be proactive instead of reactive, that is security and cybersecurity. Right. So that you have to have that futuristic uh, hat on all the time, but exactly. not just to sell stuff. Maybe how about yeah. that, Sean? Yeah, exactly. And we we were talking before we joined about uh, guitars, and I think we all four of us have guitars, and I'm going to use that because. I have guitar is one of many instruments that I have. So I am a musician and I play music and I don't play the guitar, (laughs) even though I have one. So my point is I am a musician. I love music. I can play music. I can, 
I can play a piano and, get, and drums and all kinds of different things. When guitar comes, I just, I just haven't spent the time to do it. I feel that's the same for security professionals, right? You get all these things. You can be a security professional and have all this stuff thrown at you. Doesn't mean you are good at all of it. Doesn't mean you could use it all. It sits, Marco, in your case, hanging on a wall. <laughs> Right. You actually pull it off the wall and use it. So let's, I think that's kind of the struggle that, that we're going to touch on a bit today. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, a few words from our sponsors, the dogs. And, and, and uh, but before we get sponsored uh, by the dogs, let's hear from Jay and Marilyn who, who they are. Jay, introduce us. The, sure. To the pub. My name is uh, Jay Sullivan Belson. The little dog is right there, but I, if the I reach first. for him. I'm probably, you know, he's going to, he loves to chase. So if uh, I go I and try to pick him up, you'd be seeing me like running around in this <laughs> okay. room for a little bit. A distraction uh, for a few minutes. My so name is Jay. Jay. What's going on? Yep. I am the strategic uh, advisor to the chief security officer of SAP. In the last couple of years, I've um, run a bunch of cloud security uh, initiatives, um, with a whole bunch of other people um, that gave me a big perspective of sort of the market of cloud security, the challenges that you deal with when you have to grow very fast uh, and the cloud transformation in your own organization as well as your own customers. And how challenging that is. I probably have never had a more difficult job than today because of all the sort of multi-dimensional challenges that you have to deal with, risks that we face, and the scale of both the market, the things that you can do yourself, the high velocity of the platforms, like you know, moving into the cloud, and then on top of that, front on Kubernetes is not going to make things easier, changes your security tooling, and we'll try to figure that out with varying success. You just you just lift and shift your uh, security program right over, Jay. It's easy. And your team's already skilled up, and it's fabulous. It's amazing that stuff. Technology saves. It's going to work, especially your network tooling. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm sure we'll spend a bit of time talking about that. Mayron, what's going on? What um, yeah, thanks, guys. It's great to meet all of you and see you again, Jay. Uh, my name is Mayron Fairmani, and uh, I'm the co-founder of a company called Rapid Forward. Um, and the CEO, um, and RapidFord uh, optimizes and secures uh, modern cloud applications. It just shrinks them down, gets rid of a lot of the software that you don't need in there, and, and as a result, you, you have less noise to deal with. Um, so that's 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 what we do. Nice. So, all right. So this uh, this thread was on Mastodon. I kind of teased that out, and it was uh, it was led by Jay, and. What did you say, Jay? You said the, the the predictions of cloud, right? And you said misconfigurations, known vulnerabilities, and leaked credentials were going to be the three biggest sources of uh, breaches. Um, let's just start there. Why? Why? Why do you think those things? And I think. I think you even said that because they've been for years, years and years and years. It's not going to change, mostly because it's hard, right? Like the basics are actually really hard, and we have to rethink how they get done. Right? Like there are some ways to get a grip on that, 
but is the the high velocity and the mass of it the autonomy of developer teams increasingly um, through the cloud means that if you're not careful, you're always chasing, right? So misconfigurations like that open S3 bucket, I think there were just this week of at least about three cases where that uh, was going on. Uh, known vulnerabilities, um, you know, you can sometimes be two weeks late and then your whole business might be at risk. Right, so these are really simple things, and then the leaked credentials through like an inadvertent GitHub posting somewhere, and suddenly there's a crypto miner on your cloud account. I think a lot of us in the cloud have seen. So, still trying to get on top of that is really hard, and that more the volume of the landscape or the size of the landscape, the harder it gets. Right, plus it's no longer the case that you can. Said point at a firewall team that put all the rules in. Now there's hundreds of people potentially that configure a, a, a network perimeter in some way on a VPC. So keeping track of that and then cascading that in an effective way through the organization is really, really hard. And see, I haven't talked about any sophisticated AI-based security tooling yet. Ah, so, well, two of them are directly human. The third the middle one is caused by humans, but uh, if by bad coding <laughs> or, or maybe it's not un, unthoughtful. In, yeah, non-thoughtful. Well, and, and sometimes old practices, right? Like the more you have an automated CI, CD pipeline that uh, deploys the same thing multiple times over and you can quickly correct rather than somebody trying to build a landscape sort of by hand in a web application cons admin console. Yeah. The one uh, is far safer than the other. I was switching tabs over to back to Mastodon to, to look at the thread there. Because what I what I, I want to hear from you, Mehran, some of your thoughts on this, because the I think we touched on it before we started recording, just the and I alluded to it in the intro, just the, the massive amounts of technology. So there's technology to make the business run and then technology to uh, protect against the risks that we introduce by the other technology. <laughs> and I think part of the challenge that I see, and I don't know how, how you view this from a prediction or, or future trend perspective, is that everything is important, right? You can't You can't just have vuln management, right? You can't just, because it has to also do config validation. You can't just have encryption because if you're putting keys out in GitHub, it doesn't matter, right? So you have to, you have to kind of have this full circle uh, view, but then that means a bunch of technologies perhaps and more staff. And with all of that comes greater program complexity. So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Is, are the vendors kind of creating some of this challenge for us or how's it looking for you? I know you're from, you're from a vendor, so you don't want to bash yourself, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thanks. Th thanks for, for, for that, Sean. Um, and no, I won't <laughs> bash myself. But, um, uh, look, let, first of all, um, 
you know, the whole sort of security issue and, you know, whether you can code better and all that kind of stuff, you have to keep in mind that, you know, software systems are probably the most complex artifacts of human intelligence in the sense that, you know, we can build systems that have millions and millions of moving parts and pack them up together and then make it all work. You know, you can't do that with mechanical, physical pieces. You see what I'm saying? And so they are very prone to errors and, and, and bugs and, you know, oversights and those kinds of things. That's not that, at least to the extent that I can see, that's not going to go away. Um, at the same time, if you look at what's happened over the past decade um, or 15 years and so on, so we've gotten a lot better at building software. Uh, you know, a lot of it is driven by open source components. We get these high quality open source components and we include them in our applications and we build applications a lot quicker than we did before, like probably three to 10 times faster than we did 15 years ago. So the pace of innovation is picked up quite a bit by being able to reuse these um, high quality open source components that we put into our applications. The other side of it, the way that we manage software projects has changed quite a bit. You know, we've gone from these um, waterfall methodologies back, you know, in the data center days, you know, we'd, we'd plan a project at, uh, a year ahead of time. And then we had some really, you know, well-defined milestones ahead. And, you know, about a month before, month and a half before the project was to go out, the security team got a hang of it. And, and you know, they come and work with you and, and fix the big issues. And you drop that into your infrastructure and you come back and repeat, um, you know, next year again. That's changed into the sort of DevOps, um, uh, cloud DevOps methodology where, you know, we're just cranking out productivity out of our engineering team and delivering that value into our business and into our um, customers at the, in real time almost. Like, you know, every hour we make changes into our production environments and that stuff just flows through as it comes from engineering, gets through the CI/CD automated pipelines if you're doing it correctly, goes through your, your tests, drops into, you know, particular environments where you could sort of curate it a little bit, drops into some sort of a canary release where you could make sure that everything is good. And then just you turn on the, uh, turn it on, everybody has that feature. And that's, that's amazing. You know, that's like multiple orders of magnitudes faster than, than what, how we So do here it. some of the challenges come in. And that is a lot of security tooling isn't bought for the next six months. It's for like two, three years. So you have to make decisions about what is going to be useful for the next three years. And then you have to get it adopted within your organization, deployed, integrated into your seam and generating useful alerts while the landscape around you is changing rapidly, right? So we had to make decisions three years ago that ultimately did not really quite pan out the way we yeah. had hoped that they, uh, they would. And you know, had to take a different approach, right? So you, you want to be quick. You want to uh, help your developer organization to, you know, meet their velocity that they want to reach. But at the same time, you know, you also can't say every six months, like, okay, we'll get that next new tool that looks at this specific little new use case that we hadn't covered before. All right. Yeah. So this is let, let me get in because this is how we actually started this conversation on on, on Mastodon because you posted something like similar to that and you said, Well, this is nothing new. I can do this already with what I have. Right. So in my head, when you think about the product, I'm gonna bring a couple of examples here. One goes back in the day that Sean and I started working in doing marketing for info for infosec companies where 
it seems like everybody was using either a server picture or because the box wasn't there anymore, <laughs> the operating system or the software itself. And so there is no way to represent that. And I understand how back in the days you needed to actually put something in the hands of someone to do an update and you may wait for the time. I don't know, the RSA conference was coming up, the Black Hat is coming up or CS if you're presenting technology and so forth. But now it seems like the marketing system, the branding system, the vendor system overall, it's kind of like you're still trying to do it the old way. But as you're mentioning, in our industry, you need to update constantly. So it becomes more of a service than, than a product itself. And it, it, it blows my mind how you're still trying to present it as is the newest ever beautiful thing ever done before. Throw away everything you had so far. It's like you want to go back to the guitar? I'd rather get a Les Paul, right? <laughs> From a long, long time ago than some weird guitar now. If it does the job. Telecasters, the first there, there, model. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So my point is, is there a, like, are they not in sync the way the marketing think and the way that the... the I, mean, I can only give thinking? a perspective, and I'm certainly not speaking for the company uh, here, but so just out of the experience that uh, we had, and I'll say I had myself, is that the... Cybersecurity has sort of exploded with the maturation of the data center, right? It made a whole bunch of assumptions and central management in a certain way. And now we all go cloud and it's all kind of new and weird. But the irony is that a lot of times what we're finding is that if you think of compliance scanning, it's like scanning for something, collecting data, putting data enrichment around that so that it becomes meaningful to the organization, distribute that out to get some action. Vulnerability scanning, it's essentially the same thing. It's just a different scanner, right? Threat detection, uh, ultimately the same thing. You have something running that detects something that you take through some data engineering process. So I think ironically, while cloud security is bringing all of these different cybersecurity disciplines back together because the combination of, you know, is this vulnerability actually exposed to the internet? Maybe I don't care that much, right? Like brings all of these disciplines together rather than fragments them out if they have. Because if you go on a show floor these days, then you see this, that, and the other 15,000 different tools. And it's like, but I get a lot of value just from getting the cloud audit logs, putting a Python script on top of it and look for a set of fairly deterministic things that I'm interested in, right? So I think that makes, I think this is a really shaky market, right? Like I've been there before, like I've been in the Valley for a while. I remember the dot-coms a bit and other times, like I always think for an industry that's not super, super giant because cybersecurity it's not that giant if you think of, say, oil business or something like that. Once you start seeing advertisement on Formula One cars, probably something's going to happen, right? And when <laughs> organizations start looking at, look, look, this is so much money. This is so much money. 
there's an open source tool that does 80% of it. And I have four or five engineers dedicated to it, make the tool better. Maybe if you're a basic feature, I can build that myself. Right. And I think that's why I think there's a, you know, the, the bottom might fall out because they're all using the open source tooling that's in the CNCF landscape. The top end might fall away because they can build half of it itself. And maybe there's a middle layer that can benefit from cloud native solutions and MDR and that kind of stuff. But it's really hard to see how it can sustain this entire market. Right. And Miran, on, on your side, from the, from the vendor side, do, do you think uh, there's something that can be done to work with better messaging and maybe really presenting something that has the capacity to change the game? Or it, it, what I'm saying is, I, I think we're all tired of buzzwords, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of like, you know, let's get concrete, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think yes, there is for sure. Um, one of the main things that we, for example, focus on is, uh, is not to just go out and throw a product at a vendor and say, Hey, you know, come buy this. Um, we've decided to take a much more consultative approach to working with our customers, understanding where they are in the journey, what the problems, a lot of, a lot of the industry is not where Jay is at, you know, in terms of skills and capabilities. In fact, the majority of the industry isn't. They're just really early on in that, um, uh, in that uh, journey. And so um, one of it is to just really understanding what those problems are. And, um, you know, if you have a platform or tools or a good advice that you could give them, that's great. If not, then, um, you know, that's, then don't throw a product at them and expect them to pay your license. And they won't use it. You know, you'll have churn in two years. And that, that's, that's worse than haven't sold the product at the beginning to, to begin with anyway. Um, so that's one thing. The other part of it is, um, I think there is, uh, and Jay and I we talked about this before, there's just a lot of vendors in the space and the space by design is a very segmented market, uh, you know, because um, by the nature of it, the way that it was actually developed, the market is, you know, they said, okay, everybody should be good at their space, at their niche, you know, there's, Palo Alto should be good at firewalls or checkpoint or whatever, and, and someone someone else should be at, good at um, uh, I don't know EDRs and XDRs. Somebody else should be <laughs> at something else, and um, and so um, uh, within each one of those, when you when you see such a quickly changing landscape, then it's kind of natural that you see a whole bunch of vendors coming in and trying to figure out a path and 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 some sort of a solution, a different slant on something to differentiate themselves, and and then they marry that to the kind of stuff that Gartner puts together in terms of what's the next category, what's the next, you know, and a lot of that, I mean, Gartner is a very, very respectable organization, no means um, a criticism of it, but um, what comes out of it is this, the, what Jay called the alphabet soup, you know, <laughs> or, or was it Sean that called it the alphabet soup? Like if I forget, when you guys said it's the alphabet, you know, you just have, you know, it's CSPM and DSPM and NSPM and XDR and EDR and RDR and, this and you know, and um, in, when it comes to uh, now mix, mix, you know, take that and then mix it with the fact that the majority of the security professionals are compliance driven. They're not, they're not sort of uh, resilience driven. They, they, they don't build for sort of, they, they build the, the biggest part of their work is to meet compliance. 
And there is a big difference between compliance and being proactive. Um, and a good example of us is that, you know, for compliance, you can check box that, yes, I do backups. But you don't, you don't tell them that it takes you three weeks for you to recover from your backups. <laughs> where you're proactive, you put designs and, and systems in place where you could get back up and running, you know, within 30 minutes. And that's that, that's the shift in mentality. Now, um, and there's a lot of compliance requirements on, on, on the security teams. That, and that's why that occupies so much of their time. Um, so mix that up with all this new change that's happening in the market, the way we develop software, build systems, you know, run businesses, how development teams work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and all the compliance stuff that's coming in, all the vendors that are coming in, and it's just uh, uh, it's just a big mess, honestly. It's it's very confusing. You go to RSA, there's um, <laughs> fifteen thousand. You just you said fifteen thousand products out there. Actually, you know, ten thousand of them do do the exact same same thing. You know, so um, well, I want to uh, get into that a bit, actually, if I can, yeah. and maybe maybe Jay can can comment on this because. I don't know, as as you're both were talking, I was thinking of analogies, let's pulling on the, the car thread a little bit here. Is it as simple where do we sit, I guess, in, in terms of cybersecurity technologies? Is it different grades of unleaded that come to market, right? Which is we can choose. One's a little more expensive, perhaps we get a little better performance. Or is it uh, unleaded versus diesel? different types of technologies is it uh, fuel based uh, like petrol based fuels? i think i think it's, 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 a, it's a mix of things it's sort of like you have a super blend right. and then you have like rocket fuel right uh, uh, like you have the big ones the big companies that sort of build suites right largely through acquisitions and integrated them in some level of success or more success yeah my you... point is my, the point i want to touch on though jay as you as you describe this is you, you can't put a, a tesla battery in a in a gasoline car right and you can't fuel a regular car with with rocket fuel <laughs> so are you going to try to sell me an edr agent for the cloud <laughs> for serverless workloads <laughs> yeah no, I, I know what you mean. It's like it's it's really tough, and that also goes a bit to what I said before that the uh, the cycles within security may not be as fast as the developers, right? So you know, we see the landscape change under our feet, right? Where initially it was maybe very uh, heavy on VMs, but as we see growth, we see actually that kind of being static and move much more into like uh, container, microservices, serverless, um, managed databases. And again, where do I put a um, endpoint solution on a managed database? Right. So you have to continuously rethink what you can do and stay flexible at the same time. So you know, making assumptions about a vendor coming in with, who, by all means, no doubt, I was actually several years ago a big favor of sort of the larger companies that were trying to build these suites thinking it would simplify things for some it worked out for others maybe not so much and many of us still are picking best of breed even out of those suites right so somehow it didn't quite work out like a lot of the cloud 
uh, providers themselves, I think, doing pretty decent job coming up with things. But it also, of course, is, well, first of all, you're sort of trusting the cloud provider to provide you with the security um, findings. And of course, they have an interest. So, but there's still always like, a, like to have a third party validation of that in some way. Whereas on the other hand, they may or may not want to move everything in their offering and that may not suit you for whatever reasons you want. It's, it's a really complex landscape to navigate that constantly changing and that alphabet soup doesn't help. Like we were actually in negotiation with one of the CNAP vendors and I came across the term and thought it was like, oh, the greatest new thing in cloud security. I was like, oh my God, I'd never heard of it. Let's look it up. And it's like, oh, it's the company we're already talking to. Right, so you know the the velocity of the alphabets can even confuse yourself because the sales cycle, the purchase cycle itself, may take longer than the market is reacting. That's crazy. So let's actually go there uh, with the also including the size and the maturity of companies and the size of their team and and obviously the budget. Right. I mean, Miran mentioned that it's like one thing is to be the big company with a really large budget and a really large team. And the other one is to say, well, I can afford a few things that's, you know, but it's better than nothing. So I feel like the, the branding and marketing, it gets a little bit more effective in in that way because you're trusting what they what they tell you. So. Let's talk about this. Maybe, uh, Marin, again, the perspective of how you should present your product, uh, and not, not just your, but your product in general, a vendor, a uh, cybersecurity vendor, to, to a small company that maybe just going to use that product, maybe two or three, and maybe you need to teach them how to, to do it instead of the large company that, you just say, this is what I have, and they can make their own decision. Like, how do we balance this? So um, so first of all, we're a very young company. We're, we're two years old. Um, so no, nothing I should say here should be taken as a prescription on how to do things yeah, right. Talk for other companies, too. <laughs> we're, we're exploring. But um, I, I think from our perspective, so we do have, um, I think, a solution that actually does solve a real problem. Uh, you know, going back to the 4,300 or 4,500, whatever, cybersecurity vendors, what you see out there is that there's a lot of solutions out there that just do something very little different than, than the other thing. And, and, you know, and a lot of them are just basically a, an interface on top of a whole bunch of open source tools or whatever it is. Um, uh, that creates a lot of noise, obviously, in the market and for the buyers. And we all know that security teams um, are basically completely numb to outreach. You know, you can't, you can't call a CISO and sell them something. You know, they sell from what they see. They see their colleagues um, are buying and they sell over time. I mean, they buy over time and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, like I said, I think, and I don't know if, if this is scalable. I think it just makes sense that you have a talk with people to see where they are, as opposed to just throw a product at them and say, go figure it out, you know, to see where they are and then see if you actually, and, and if, if you could scale that business model in some way, um, then I think that's the right way to sell into this market because 
and 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 like Jay said, you know, whatever you start now, if you if you're selling to a really large company, your sales cycles are, you know, eighteen months, twenty four months, a lot of times, right? Uh, for for a big system, so by the time your your product is actually sold and is in use, things have changed, and you need to be engaged with them to see where they are in that journey, how they're reacting, what's coming into the market, the threat landscape changes, um, you know. Um, the the technologies to address some changes and all that kind of stuff, and whether you're still important at that point to that company or not, you have to reevaluate it. So we, I don't have a formula for it yet, but at least we have a direction that we think is the right way to go, and and that's that's what we're practicing. But um, there is something that uh, you said now twice, which is this consultative approach, and I don't think that's even unique to small companies, mid-sized, large as well. Because navigating this landscape by somebody that can help sort that out while at the same time realizing that each company is a little bit different and some things work better. So that somebody from outside that has like good experience in, you know, this is probably the stuff that will meet you once you can sort of articulate to me like what is what are your requirements? What are your most important things? What are you most worried about? What is it that your organization can bear, given the budget that you have or, you know, the kind of way the organization works? I've seen increasingly that the culture that an organization has is very important in what you can achieve. Some are very hierarchical and you can put something top down. SAP is not like that. Right. Other organization needs a far more collaborative, you know, uh, can try to make it easier or harder and that often depends on what is bearable within an organization do those things first and then as you grow move on so some kind of consultative approach to help navigate those two things i think is actually really important for cloud transformation yeah yeah that's 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 how i how we feel also i mean you know and a lot of times very early on you figure out that this is just not the right customer the problems are completely different um i mean you know we, we talk to customers who are running workloads who have lost their source code. I mean, that's that's a big deal for them. Um, and, and it's coming to a point where they they need to they need to do something about it. So that's important for them, not what I'm trying to sell to them. He's got to figure that out. So I'm going to go on to, and, and talk to him in six months and there once he's, you know, or, or next year once he's figured that out. Why should I get into, to, uh, you know, in the middle of his business and, and, and distract him from what's important to him? Um, well, let's so, touch on this a little bit more because I mean I remember back when I was when I was uh, building a sim for a big yellow company years ago. Uh, it would take us twelve nine to twelve sometimes uh, five quarters to actually put out a product, and we'd have to align that with the eighteen to twenty four months Maron that you that you pointed out that companies were buying products. Now this is ten plus years ago. Things have changed. And I'm wondering, because release cycles have, have sped up, uh, there are so many companies, I, I just view the, the role of a CISO and their team as just being bombarded with all these new things coming out, right? And, and they're, on the other side, it's all these new business-enabling technologies that their, their IT ops and, and uh, data ops teams are deploying. And they're trying to bridge those two streams or floods of, of things that coming at them. And I'm just wondering, how does that cycle look from a R&D perspective, from a SecOps 
program. How, how do how does a security team look at the program and say, I need to every three, six, nine months, whatever it is, be looking at new technologies, uh, putting a plan that isn't once a year uh, buying stuff. And how do I then manage the vendors that come to me uh, to to kind of keep the flow off me so I can keep my head above water? I don't know who wants to, Jay, you want to take that? I, I think the first thing is just why, like going back to my predictions, right? It's just, I stopped caring about esoteric threats as long as not my entire landscape has no public S3 bucket, has everything blocked off, um, uh, has no vulnerabilities in the landscape. That's almost impossible, right? So managing those processes right and make sure that you know we have scanners running all the time to look for any secrets in source code and that kind of stuff. So to focus on those three first. If I get that right, um, then I'm compliant, I'm reasonably secure, and uh, our threat intel and uh, detection team can actually have the breathing space to start looking for the weird stuff, right? So I think compliance gets knocked a little bit, but, you know, oh, you know, compliance is not security, but if it gets you, these compliance controls are not there entirely accidentally, right? It's a good thing to encrypt your stuff. Right, it's a good thing to you know make sure that you have reasonably high TLS versions in use, like all of that good that you keep your your certificates up to date and all of that stuff. So doing that well, right, is the basic stuff. I don't really get distracted so much by somebody who wants to you know do deep packet inspection on things um, right now or a five year zero trust program that doesn't start with doing some of these basics first, right? Just try to do asset management on a reasonably large organization. That's not easy. Focus on that stuff first. Yeah. And I think the other part of it is that um, the, the, uh, obviously cybersecurity is a pretty vast field. Um, I think, I don't know, there's like 10, 15 categories within the space. Um, the, um, but there are a lot of those workflows that you see today that could be largely automated if you know the organization well, you know, uh, as opposed to, again, just, you know, here's, here's, a, um, here's my tool. Let's try to jam it into your workflow and, and you try to figure out how to use it, you know. Um, and so if you understand those things and you could automate those, those processes to a great extent, then that, that's where you add value to the organization from a vendor perspective. If you I'm, I'm going to ask you this. I'm sorry, Mehran, but this point, rather than, and I see a lot of marketing stuff. Here's the threat. Here's our response. And nowhere in there is, here's your environment and here's what you're trying to accomplish as a business. How do we, <laughs> how do we help with that? At least not 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 a lot of the marketing stuff I see. Do you think that would be? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, there are some good products that are that you you drop in and they you you can start getting value out of them pretty quickly. Um, and you know, if they execute well, then they do become well known and they get quick adoption within the security com community. Um, if they play it right, but but uh, um, but you know, those are again just one segment of the of of the market. I think typically you see them. Um, 
it is important to sort of understand where a company is in their journey and in of how they develop and deliver software um, how security overlays on top of those things. What are the skills that they have? Um, you know, is the majority of the companies that we talk to, for example, security teams have a difficult time speaking to developers because developers don't want to chase down CVEs in MySQL or, um, you know, those kind of things. And um, so we try to help change that discussion to not be around CVEs, but be around, you know, code quality and, you know, things that they could do to improve their, what, what comes out of their teams. Um, uh, as an engineering um, piece of work, not chasing down vulnerabilities in other people's codes. Um, but um, uh, where I was going with this is that, you know, once you understand where they are, then, you know, then you'll see what you have in your set of skills and expertise and tool sets and so on that matches that. And if it doesn't match, then, you know, maybe, maybe it's the wrong timing, maybe it's just the wrong customer or whatever. Um, but then you don't waste your time or their time uh, or their money. Uh, at that point, and you move on to to work with some. There is the the space is pretty wide, um, and there are a lot of problems to to solve. Um, there are good there are good problems to solve, and you could actually come up with solutions that make a significant impact on them. Um, but you have to you have to really focus and understand how those problems are translating are being dealt with in in a, on a day to day basis by security teams and by development teams and you know, what, what you're going to do to, to address those in, a, in an effective way as opposed to just um, here, here's, I have this one piece of technology and I put, and I connect it to the other piece and I put a UI on it and I call it, you know, this new acronym and, um, and then let me try and sell it. And that makes it difficult for actually companies, um, at least smaller companies who have innovative solutions to, um, to gain access to the same users and customers. Um, you know, you have to find clever ways of doing things. Um, so, so this is going to give me the the note for for the last question, which I normally bring it to the future. And in this case, we started with prediction. I don't want a prediction. I want to go somewhere different, where it's more like a, a wish list, or maybe if you can get something as a gift that is in a box and you don't open it, it is like. Crap, they just re-gift me something. Or they changed the package, but <laughs> it's the same thing. My point is, if you had to wish for something that is really innovative, what, what would it be now in this, in this industry? I mean, what do you think it could be for you, the game changer that will be like, wow, now this is, this is a great product? The stuff that I really like is the stuff that finds a lot of things and contextualizes that in some way. We will still have the challenges of, you know, associating that with an owner, what the actual purpose of that particular thing is, find the right person who can do something about it. But anything that can say, like, this vulnerability is important because it's customer facing, it's part of the service, it is, you know, load balance 15,000 times uh, and would allow access to customer data versus a vulnerability that's like, okay, but it's like five layers in the back end. You, there's no chance for it to be reachable by any kind of malicious input. Maybe we'll leave that one for you know the next release cycle. So stuff that makes things more intelligent and therefore reduces the overhead on teams, like focus on the stuff that's important. I, I have the feeling 
you know, we're not there yet, but where, say, critical vulnerabilities and compliance becomes essentially a security incident that needs to be dealt with right now, whereas everything else becomes a compliance thing that needs to be cycled out in some way, right? Like if you have a you know, container that might be breached that gets recycled from raw, uh, from a known image next five minutes, then maybe I'm not gonna run that hard until there's evidence that there's a foothold somewhere, right? I'm, you know, I'm giving examples then, hold me to any of this, but the, anything that helps funnel down to what's important and can use any kind of automation or intelligence to lift up what's important and you know the other alerts may be available but it becomes more like for reporting if you like um i i, I agree and by the way there's like you know i'm no expert in you know detection response for example so just my my field is also um, optimization, vulnerability management, those kinds of things. And I think that um, what, I'll what I predict is that a lot more people know that they have just way too many vulnerabilities getting reported on the infrastructure. <laughs> and then they have to figure out how to prioritize it more effectively. And, um, yeah, you know, like Jay said, if, if solutions that put context and help people to sort of um, uh, prioritize those things would, would, be, would do well. Um, also, solutions that help um, security teams influence engineering practices, um, I think will do well because, um, you know, a lot of the work needs to be at least looked into by engineering um, to some extent. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's many other good things that are going to come in other fields, but those, that's, that's the thing that I think will, will happen next year. People get more visibility into the enormity of the problem if they're just looking at scans and they'll be looking for solutions to, to help them prioritize in an effective way. I'm, it really I'm helps though sending like developers a lot of alerts to remind them like, <laughs> I don't come bother you if you do that over there. Well, imagine if you're driving, right? I mean, I, I want the, the important alert to come out first and without noise. And then, you know, if something, I don't know, it's sort of a slide inside under the chair breaks, who cares? But don't don't <laughs> tell me that that's, you know, something that I need to address right now because so you can sell me something to do that. I don't know. I mean, I, I love this idea of prioritizing what is important. I think that's, that's or the, or the, the temperature was below zero last night. Of course, the tire pressure is going to be low. <laughs> or do tell me that it is below zero. Yeah. So I slow down, maybe. <laughs> You know, exactly. may, maybe I don't know. So I'm, and I'm actually, I'm going to first thank you both for, uh, for first engaging on Mastodon and 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 connecting with each other and and connecting with us to have this conversation. Uh, really appreciate it, and I thank you for your time here today. And I'm going to take us as I close even further left, Miran, um, where I think. Jay, you want to have visibility into all that stuff, and I think Mehran, you want to you want to help engineers kind of secure and safeguard the systems before it becomes a problem later. I actually want to take it all the way to the business where the the products and services are defined and these things are architected, and uh, and yeah, I guess. Uh, Described in product requirements documents, right? 
because I think we can, if we can shave the exposure at, at the front end of this, um, I think it can, can save a lot of effort down the line. So I always ask guests how, how we can actually change the way business does business, not just how can we streamline security. I, I think we're actually really lucky there. We have really good support from uh, our executive board. Uh, there's good understanding that the kind of workloads that we tend to run brings a certain set of responsibility with it. Um, so we thank like our uh, internal support for uh, th that's generally not the problem. It's sort of like working with a large organization and doing the engineering and getting all the data together in a way that's usable reports. Uh, it's not for a lack of support through the organization. We're very lucky there. That's cool. Um, I think that also um, there should be and there will probably will be a shift in terms of how organizations treat security as, as a function within within the enterprise. Um, if you, the majority of organizations, if you go to their leadership page, you don't see a CISO there. Um, yet, you know, every time something goes wrong, CISO is the one that gets, gets the axe, you know, is going to have this intense amount of pressure on them um, uh, in terms of compliance, keeping the uh, lights on, you know, making sure everything is running securely and so on. So, and everybody gets breached, you know, you're getting breached all the time, you're getting attacked all the time. Um, and, um, uh, but yet that's not recognized, you know, you just, you just give a chief title to someone, but you're not recognizing that. And, and yes, you know, they come to your board meetings and they have to report, but you don't see them in their leadership, um, uh, panels and, um, uh, and teams. And so that has to change because that it's an important message to say that this is a, this is a critical part of how you run a business that you start by thinking that security is as important as sales, as important as development, as important as marketing, you know, all of those functions that you, you list out, that has to be, you know, that message has to I don't disagree, but the, uh, you have as much influence as your ability to communicate, right? And as security people, historically, we've been kind of crap at that, right? Like, you know, put cat pictures over things, right? You know, there's a certain format in uh, security conferences that you don't bring to the boardroom, right? And I myself have had a couple of times where you try four or five, six different ways of how do we actually tell the story in a way that it resonates. Like we can, I think, as security professionals often do a better job of communicating and not saying it's like, oh my God, there's a CVE, you know, listed in this, that, and the other, in that kind of landscape, instead of expressing like okay what is my business risk how am i exposed and what's your plan to actually solve it right i think that's quite often what we fail it can't always be like here's a very complex problem and i need more money to buy this tool right like can we express it in like this is the actual risk to the business if we do this we reduce it by x much if we do this other thing then we probably take it away but that you may not have the appetite for that then we have a very different conversation I love it. That's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> super, super cool. Well, the business of security. Business of security. There we go. Well, thanks, uh, thanks again, both of you, Jay and, and Maron, for joining. Marco, thanks for uh, joining as a as a co-host today as well. Yeah. And uh, for everybody listening, we'll certainly include a link to uh, that post on Mastodon so you can 
chime in with your own thoughts. Uh, what what do we say that you liked? What what did you not like? What are your predictions? Uh, thoughts for acronyms? You name it. Everything everything's all there in that thread for you to to chew on. And, and as uh, weird as it may sound, Sean, on yeah. the InfoSecurity Exchange on Mastodon, we actually talk about a lot of cool stuff, not just uh, cybersecurity. I agree. I there agree. is music, there is philosophy, there is books. And uh, so, yeah, come on. There's room. We're happy. Yeah, it's really interesting how, um, you know, I was on Twitter, InfoSec Twitter, for a long time. But I think far more as a, you know, consumer of what was going mm -hmm. on yeah, yeah and mastodon is far more uh, about engagement and i think yeah. i've had more actual threads and discussions with people yeah. in, in the last couple of weeks and yeah in a long time on twitter i, I think that, that i mean i don't want to make this a mastodon discussion but um i think that one of the main things is that it's just uh, you know twitter has become so asymmetrical you know there, there are people with big megaphones and then there are people with like you know yep, 20 i agree hours. <laughs> and Mastodon is a lot more balanced, you know. It, but... it did level thing. I agree. Yeah. I hope it stays that way. Yeah. I don't want to see an algorithm in there. But anyway, we can talk about Mastodon <laughs> another time. I'm always okay. happy to talk social media. Yeah. Sean, and thank you for having us. Yeah, super cool. In the meantime, go there and check out this thread. And stay tuned for more Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. Thanks for having us. Thanks guys. a lot, Sean. Thanks a lot, Marco. Thanks, Marilyn. Thanks, Jake. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.NET. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Cybersecurity with Sean Martin, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. And you can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.